Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Carrie Faith on Purpose show, where we put your health and happiness as our number one priority. I'm your host, Carrie Faith, and I'll be sharing a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to create your masterpiece called Life. I believe that with faith and inspired action, anything and everything is possible. And when you combine it with purpose, there is absolutely no limit to your success. I share my own personal struggles and triumphs while exposing global perspectives about happiness, health, and well-being. We combine talks around spirituality, psychology, and self-development to align your mind, body, and soul. Together, we connect, create, and transform from the inside out. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, tea, or if you're anything like me, a glass of water, or perhaps even some champagne, while we carry faith on purpose together. Hello and welcome to the Carrie Faith on Purpose podcast. I am honored and humbled that my dear friend Sharon Cohen is here with us today. She is a female leader and entrepreneur, international best-selling author and knowledge broker, body language and human behavior coach. She is amazing. She served two years in the Israeli military and 10 years of defense work preventing terrorism and aviation worldwide, where she received a certificate of excellence in the role. Sharon has visited many countries and has vigorously studied human behavior body language, self-defense, and many other tools, which she is here with us today to share. So thank you, Sharon, for being here and recording this podcast with me. It's been a long year coming. So say hello to the listeners. Hello, everybody. And I would love to hear a little bit more about those 12 years that you spent in honing your skills as a body language expert. And I do want to share with the listeners and whoever is watching that she has been my coach in this thing called body language. So I am a student just as each and every one of you listening. And you've helped me a lot with my own anxiety which I've been pretty open with about, but I would love for you to, you know, share with me and the listeners about how we can like optimize this thing called body language and our subconscious mind. So how did you get to where you are today doing this? Absolutely. Well, um, when I started basically, and I first went to the military, it's something that it's obligated obligatory here in Israel. Uh, When we reach 18, we draft to the military. And girls are doing two years and men's boys are doing three years of service. But the thing is that I grew up in Israel and it's a country that had suffered a lot from terror as well. And I lost two cousins uh, in terror attacks, in different terror attacks. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was very hard on my heart. I wanted to protect people. I wanted people to go back safely to their uh, families and home. So even when I finished the two years of uh, mandatory service, I decided to work for a company that basically prevent terrorism in aviation. And that required me to travel a lot, to know different cultures. Different cultures have different body language sometimes. We use sometimes our body a little bit different. Um, and also the tone of the voice. Uh, you can see it a lot during different cultures. If you will uh, bring some someone from Japan and someone from the States, 
and you will look at them when they are saying the same words, they are reacting a little bit different. And it's a cultural thing. And that's also environment. And it's also about our religion. Sometimes the religion um, creates a certain body language because women need to be more reserved and uh, men can be more free about everything else. So it can be very, very different from uh, various cultures. But what that is universal are our facial expressions. Most of the important facial expressions are exactly the same all over the world. And that's why when people ask me about body language, uh, is it true if someone touches the nose when I'm talking to him, uh, then he's lying? Or uh, if she moves the hair, or if she touches her neck, or any kind of that action, um, if you decide that inconclusive line, you are wrong. Because I can do several things in several emotions process. And it's also like, maybe I'm touching the nose because the air conditioning is on and the hair is on my face. If you are not in the same environment as I am, then you are making assumptions based on what you think which means that each and every one of us also came to every situation. We are coming to every situation with our perspective. Not, we are not seeing the person in front of us as he, he or she really is. We are seeing them from our perspective. And we can affect that perspective, actually. That's so powerful, those points that you brought up, because first off, you said that our body language is dependent on our culture and that there's global perspectives and global expectations on how to act. And um, which I never really thought about, even though I knew from living in a foreign country and studying uh, global perspectives and psychology that we are also different and our behavior in you know one culture might not be acceptable in another culture but I never really put weight to it in body language and interpreting it through body language because for example like when I lived in Central America, I was told um, that when I'm walking like on a street, especially if I'm walking on a street alone as a female, nonetheless, that it wasn't appropriate to look someone in the eye. It was actually, I should be like looking down and not really making that eye contact. I don't know if this is truth, but you know, in one culture, looking someone into the eye is seen as respect. And then another culture, looking someone in the eye is disrespect, right? Is disrespectful. So this body language is very culturally dependent. So thanks for bringing that up. But what isn't dependent on culture is our facial expressions. So I just had like such a like light bulb go off in the sense of my own understanding of body language and how to be more culturally sensitive when I am connecting with people, you know, on a global space for business, how I can um, optimize that. So thank you for bringing that to my awareness and that perception is everything, right? So you want to go into a little bit more about perspective on body language or even emotions and feelings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I said, I started my journey because as a child, I knew how to identify very quickly the attacker because I grew up in an environment that had a lot of violence in it. So I needed to recognize the danger and to protect myself. 
And then if I may interrupt quickly, because I also didn't express my empathy for the story about you losing two cousins. So that just, I had up and down body chills for like a few minutes after you told me why you pursued and are so passionate about understanding body language it really is your deepest why because you have so much you know loss and pain and to help people also from attackers so I just want to give you know weight to that 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 is very um powerful and thank you for turning that pain into you know your purpose to help and protect people So sorry about the interruption, but I kind of didn't want to just slide over that because that's the reason why you're here, why you're teaching us, why you you teach people. So thank you. My pleasure. That's the reason why I decided to work in preventing terrorism in aviation, uh, because I wanted people to get home safe. And I also knew that not only that I had the talent before to recognize some of the things, of course, the training that I got and the experience and all the time in service made me more focused on what I actually wanted to do. But with time, the beautiful thing about body language is actually a language. And when you learn how to observe from a wider perspective, that completely changed the difference, the, the whole picture, because you're not seen only from your point of view. You are actually looking about everything. You're looking about the person. You're looking how they breathe. You are looking about the environment. You are asking yourself questions that actually helps you to ask them better questions to get better information as well. And when you are standing in front of people or crowd, it really makes a difference how we act in front of them. It's not about how the other person acts, acts because we can directly influence someone's behavior as well. For example, when someone is mad at you, and they will come with that tone of, where's my phone, right? So most of the, most likely, you're fine, you will respond, respond, sorry, at the same tone. You will respond also, I don't know, right? You will, you will be affected by the other person's actions, by the other person's mood. So... Other people are affected by how you bring yourself to every situation as well. So we have a lot that we can control of. And saying, where is my phone? Or where is my phone? It's just the tone of the voice, which is part of our nonverbal communication. And if we're talking about nonverbals, that is 93% of our communication because 55% are the body language and 38% the tone of the voice and only 7% are actually the words. So when we are using words, we can use them in a different way. When people can hear us or see us, we can bring a different message to every interaction with people. And what you're saying is that we shouldn't put so much weight to actually what we say, I feel like, and we should put more weight or emphasis or awareness on what we're doing with our body and also what we're doing with our tone. And I've seen this through even parenting in the sense of, you know, sometimes my child or children get into whiny voices and Even for me, I used to, as when my kids were younger, you know, go back into that kind of elevated tone, right? 
and get authoritative and try to maybe not yell back, but when I come back now with a very calm and soothing voice, when I hear that high pitch whining, it's giving a message to my children. And even um, yesterday, a little side note story, I was calling my daughter's name and she like came to me like huffing and puffing. And she said, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, how do you know you want me to I want you to do something. And she said, it was just the way you said my name. I knew I needed to do something. And it was funny because even she innately being eight years old, she knew that the tone that I was saying her voice was a message that she needed to do something or she forgot to do something. And it was her putting up, hanging up her coat. So it's just so funny how this is innate, but we're not aware or conscious of it all the time. Absolutely. And actually, that's exactly the thing because we learn body language and we learn tone of the voice way before we even using, we are using words. Mm. Because as infants, we are mirroring our parents. We are mirroring people around us. Uh, when you go to a baby and you smile at the baby, they will smile back. They are mirroring our facial expressions when we are doing certain things, right? If you stick your tongue out, the baby will stick their tongue out. That's so, yeah, that's so amazing because we do. We do that before children and babies are, are 12 months old. That's how we communicate with them, right? We want to smile to infants to wait for that first smile. And then we want to make them smile when they're crying, right? By sticking out our tongue or playing peekaboo. And so it's interesting how what you brought up is just another light bulb. Like, wow, wait, we've been doing this and teaching this to our children and learning it from even before our first memories. Absolutely. Yeah. Even when we are calling a friend, just by hearing their hello, we know their state of mind. We know how they feel because we just can hear that, hear it in their voices. And it's the same with children and it's the same with everybody else. I can do the same interview that we are doing now and I can speak always this way. Now, if I will continue to speak this way, it will sound very unnaturally and monotonic, and it will be annoying very, very, very soon. <laughs> so I will stop. And actually, we can use the language. We can use our tone of voice. We can emphasize certain words that are so important that those are the message. And if you see, I'm always using my hands. Even if you hear it in the podcast and you can hear it through the tone of the voice. But if you watch the video, you can see that in my hands. And the reason that we are using our hands is because we are when we are showing our palms, we are saying we have nothing to hide. Okay. Wow. I even felt it. I just put up my hands. And with that being said, I do want to say that I'm going to leave the YouTube video on um, in the link of the show notes, because you're right. I should be paying more attention even during this video. But when I raised up my hands just now, I almost felt something in the pit of my stomach and I felt it like in my heart, like I felt exposed. Absolutely, because we are opening the body. And if we think about it, um, another myth, we started with myth before, because we spoke about that if we are thinking that if someone is touching the nose or touching the hair, that indicates right away a lie. It's not, because it can be different, it can change, it depends on the situation. It can indicate a lie, but not you can't judge body language or decide something about body language just by one move. 
you need to consider the whole picture, the environment, the state of mind, if the person is sick or not. For example, if I'm touching the neck this way, why, like, if I'm rubbing the back of the neck and lowering my head a little bit and looking a little bit more down, um, that could look like shame or insecurity or something like that. But what if I'm really suffering with pain? Okay, then you will see that on my facial expression because pain looks different than shame. And we can see that on people's faces. We can see when we are getting like a strong heat or something, we are like crumbling. We are reducing our body. We we try to be smaller in a way because that's how we protect ourselves. And um, that's why I wanted to go back to the myth because a lot of people think that if I will cross my hand on my um, on my chest this way, that I'm actually creating a barrier between you and I. But which is true. But if I'm cold and I'm doing that. That makes sense. But if I'm talking to you and I should have an open body language and I have nothing to hide and I want to deliver my message, when we deliver the message, we receive and we give with open hands. You can't give and receive with fists because this is a fight, right? So we open our hands when we give and when we are receiving something. And we need to open our body when we are doing that. So when we are giving information or receiving information, we want to be open, get that. And using our hands and showing our hands also open all the chest area and what happens in anxiety, what happens when we are excited what happens when we are afraid our heartbeats beat are racing and we breathe faster right so basically what that we are doing by crossing our hands this is a self-hug that meant for us to feel less vulnerable yeah. now with you saying that, everyone does have to listen or watch the video that will be attached. But even for my own anxiety, I feel like, or if anyone is experiencing anxiety, it's amazing that we can just move our body in a different way and it can actually lower our heart rate. Because I know like I typically always sit with my legs crossed which is great and fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But if I'm feeling really um, anxious or I'm feeling nervous or scared and I have my legs crossed, it's almost like um, contributing to it in the sense of if I were to just maybe uncross my arms or uncross my legs and like pull my shoulder blades back, right? And stand up taller it could open me up and allow the heart rate to reduce, I think. Is this true? And it allows you even to breathe deeper because mm -hmm. when we are crunched, when we are closing our body, we don't take actually deep breath. When we are afraid, the breath is shallow and it's only from the chest area. And when we actually open the body and allowing ourselves to let the air in, we are using even the abdomen, like the tummy area, when we are breathing. It's not just the chest. We are actually let the air in, which allows also the diaphragm to get a little bit stronger, which helps us when we are inhaling the air out. So all that together makes us feel stronger. If you stand stronger on both legs equally, way like if you let yourself to feel the weight between like the two legs equally, then you 
feel more stable as if you are standing on one leg and leaning on one leg like most people do most of the day you feel a little bit insecure because you are making your body feel unstable okay look at leaders how they're standing have you ever saw a leader like <laughs> with Slouch. the hands in the pocket leaning aside like leaning on one leg and no, because this is a weak position. When I'm leaning on something, that means that I need support. Why do I need support? Okay. Mm, because you're lacking confidence, right? I feel like. And it's interesting that you brought that up because I know I've been working with you on body language for the past few months or this year. And um, what I found is that someone gave me a tip to stand up when I do my live videos. So the past few weeks, ironically, just to bring you into what is happening in my world, the past few weeks, um, I've been doing a lot of podcasts, recording a lot of guests, podcasting and speaking. And I actually have been standing because someone gave me that advice, stand. And it's building that physiology, I feel like it was building internal confidence. And I even thought about it today as I walked into my office to record this podcast episode, I sh I decided that I was going to sit, which is very interesting. <laughs> like, why didn't I continue that habit that I have uh, started the past like two weeks? I was elevating my computer, mainly maybe because it was easier to just sit down today. But Obviously, that's a, a habit that for me, I feel like, and for anyone that wants to have more confidence is to stand when you're speaking or stand with your feet on the ground, both of them, even when you're sitting, I find myself because I cross my legs a lot when I am sitting that I don't have both feet on the ground and in doing a lot of um, self-work, you know, self-development and and energy work this year, I realized that one of the areas I needed to work on of my chakras was grounding. And I can't ground if my legs are crossed because both feet are on the ground. And the idea of grounding is to put both feet equally on the ground, right? And so obviously in, in hindsight, I should have probably been standing up for this recording, but um, nonetheless, how can I just, when I am sitting, put both feet down? It is very helpful. So thank you for sharing that tip. Sure. And thank you for saying that because that is absolutely true. When we are standing, we can bring different energies simply because we have more place to move and it's feeling more natural for us to move in the space. And we can channel the excitement. We can channel the fears with steps. Actually, we are taking a step forward, a step back. So we create in a movement, which is very important to the brain, because if you've been in a Zoom call before with many people and one of them just grab their phone and start walking around, everybody in the Zoom call are going to look at that square. Why? Because it's moving and our brain protect us. Okay, and evolutionary, we are realizing that if something is moving, it can come towards us. So we need to be safe from the danger. Okay, so our eyes focus immediately on the movement and we want to attract sometimes attention. If we are speaking, we want people to look at us. We want to bring people to us. So by using my hands, I'm creating movement. By standing up and moving around, I create movement as well. But we can we can have Zoom calls. Not all Zoom calls can be done in standing. Not all podcasts can be done in standing. But you need to have that mindset. Not only, and I'm saying mindset, and I really means the way you think and operate and how you feel your environment. Because if right now, for me, my chair is my throne, then I will sit like a queen. 
Okay. I love that. I am going to, from now on, think of my chair as my throne and even visualizing that this is my throne, right? It makes me stand up taller. I want to acknowledge that you said mindset, right? That you brought up the idea of having the right mindset. But I also want to bring light that there's that those different levels of mindset, which is the mindset that we are aware of and then the subconscious which is there and we're not aware of it unless we consciously decide to be aware of the subconscious and then we have the unconscious which is like sleeping right but in going back to the story of me building the habit over the past few weeks of standing to do recording and then Today, this morning, I decided to sit. I believe that that was just my subconscious, right? Because 97% of our behaviors are subconscious is what I've learned. It's anywhere from like 90 to 97%. You can correct me because you're the human behavior specialist. But how much does, you know, one subconscious influence our body language? our tone and the way now we do stand the way we do sit the way we make choices throughout the day plenty a lot a lot our subconscious is about 80 percent of our brain and we have what we call uh the res the reticular activate system or the primitive mind and actually mark Bowen Baldwin uh spoke about it in his book is an author He is uh, a body language expert and human behavior expert. And he actually proved that 100% of our first impression, if you like me or I like you at the first time that we are meeting, is 100% based on our subconscious mind and actually the primitive mind. Because again, our brain meant to protect us and are we like things that are similar to us and it doesn't mean the same hair color it means the same behavior sometimes okay we we if we are happy people we will feel uncomfortable hanging with very depressed people for a long time right? We will feel like we don't belong. So it doesn't mean those are wrong or those are wrong. It's just we want to have something that is similar to us so we will feel belong because we are human. We are looking for connection and connection made by our emotions as well. So when we are looking for something that is similar to us, then it's most likely that the similarity will like us too and we want to be liked, right? So our brain can be triggered in a snap of a second. And that's why when we meet someone, I always recommend to smile because in a really true smile, there are several types of smiles. I won't get too deep through that, but... The real smile, like I'm happy to see you, is when we are equally smile with our mouth and we reduce our eyes and you will see wrinkles right next to the eye, okay? Yeah, that's what I blame all my wrinkles on. I blame all my eye wrinkles on the fact that I had to do so much smiling Um, in my past career of being in customer service and hospitality and just making people feel happy and elated, I always had to smile. And it's interesting because I wonder if those people that I would excessively smile towards, especially the mad and upset and angry ones that, you know, it was my responsibility to flip them over to being happy and joyful is how much did they see the fake smile versus the real smile? Obviously, they saw the fake smile, but I didn't realize it. And so maybe even me fake smiling 
put up a protection in their own ego or mind. And so I wasn't able to actually create that full transformation that I was after, right? From going from maybe like an upset um, client or customer to an elated one. So it's interesting that you brought up multiple smiles. So I just want to say, because you said we're not really going to dive deep into those, but if people want to further understand all of this body language, we'll leave information on how to get a hold of you and work with you because you have so much to share. Um, sorry if I interrupted you there, but in, oh, the sen- in the sense of, you know, going from happy maybe to the opposite, unhappy or even scared, fearful and anxious, right? Because I know like you've helped me a lot and I, and you're still helping me with the anxiety and how can we maybe pay attention to our own body language that, um, that we're anxious, you know, because I know like anxiety is something that is affecting everyone right now. I mean, anxiety is a natural emotion of life. And yeah, a lot of people have excessive amounts of anxiety with a lot of unknowns still happening in the world. How can we pay attention to our bodies with that emotion? Yeah, you can first pay attention and you can also prevent in a way. Uh, Because if you actually look at people, especially today with COVID, a lot of us, we stopped smiling. Why? Because we are wearing masks. So we think if someone don't see our mouth, they don't see our smile. But even if I will cover my face, my mouth, and I will smile, you will still see the eyes reducing and the wrinkles right here, right next to the eye. So the thing is, just by smiling, we are releasing in our brain hormones. And those are the kind of hormones that we are really, really love because those are endorphins and oxytocin, for example, is one of them and serotonin and dopamine. So all those hormones are the kind of hormones that lift us up. They make us feel high. They make us feel happy. Okay. So you can't be happy and sad at the same time, right? So happiness helps us also with our peers. Mm-hmm. And it's not only the happiness, it's also how we act with our body. Because right now, I just give, gave a simple example on how just by smiling, you can sit in front of the mirror for five minutes and smile to yourself. Or uh, just close your eyes and think for five minutes about cute babies giggling and smiling. You see, I didn't have to say like much and you smiled right away. Why? Because I was thinking of, you know, funny, cute cat or puppy videos or babies. It's like, that's why people like watching these type of videos on, you know, YouTube or, or Netflix or whatever, because it makes us smile. It makes us feel good. That's why we can like sit there and watch a puppy or a kitten play for an hour where we couldn't like sit there and stare at a wall for an hour. Absolutely. And when you make someone else smile, you make them like you a little mm. bit more. You just help them reduce very good feelings very good hormones, so they like you better right now if I made you smile, okay? And for example, it's very easy to get done. You don't have to be very funny. You don't have to be very, I don't know, trying to present yourself as as someone you are not, but you can tell people, okay, think of a smiling baby, okay? Type in the chat what makes you laugh. Okay, just by asking that question, you gave them a focus, a different focus. Now they're looking for what makes them laugh. So when you think about that, you're reducing, you're creating that hormone release 
you are reducing the anxiety because you shift the focus. And That's anxiety- such a great tip for anyone that runs uh, Zoom calls, right? It's just, you know, usually I go to the one of tell me what you're grateful for or write in the chat what you're grateful for. But even to um, break the pattern of whatever's going on in the listener's head, tell me one thing that makes you smile. You know, it just, all you have to say is that. And it puts a smile on someone's face. Yeah, when you're meeting a friend, when you're meeting a person, if I will meet you and I will have this kind of face, like with no smile, looking down, like I'm not really interested to be here, you will feel that. For me, sorry. But if I will stand in front of you when we are meeting, even if you are a friend or even if we're meeting for the first time and we will smile, your reaction will be to smile back. Right? When someone is... Sorry. You really can't see that through a mask. You know, so I'm glad that you brought that up because right now, most of us are wearing masks, at least when we go into the grocery store or places, you know, and so it's still important that we have that positive exchange of energy. If, you know, you're in the cashier line and you can smile to someone else and it will make you feel better in the moment. Yeah, it will make you feel better. And also it will make the other person feel better. Because think about that clerk or that employee that you are approaching in the bank or in the post office or wherever you go. They see people all day. Most of them are very annoyed to be on, like they're in line and stand and waste time and uh, like think about the DMV or anything very annoying to be at or that people don't like to be there. So all day long, they are seeing people that are mad at them. When you are coming with a smile, Mm -hmm. you will get a better service. Mm -hmm. You will feel more welcome. They will want to help you, actually, to give you the help because you are nice and they like you. And now when they like you, they want to help you. So... When we are using our body language in different ways, when we are using the tone of the voice in different ways, we can create a different perspective for other people as well, not just for ourselves, okay? Because if I'm coming and I will be in front of an audience and I will act like I'm insecure and feeling very uncomfortable and close and I will try... I will be very, very shy and I will look down and I won't look at the camera. I will make you feel uncomfortable just by looking at me. Because most people, I'm saying most, not all, but most people don't like to see another person suffer. Okay? We feel uncomfortable when we see someone else suffers. And we feel that energy just through, like you said, looking at the facial expressions because those are universal. And then secondary. Most of of the important ones are universal. There are more than 10,000 facial expressions. And a lot of them don't express emotions. Mm. A lot of them you don't even need to know. But there are about eight that are very important, that are universal. And just knowing those, like smile is one of them. Showing happiness, okay, it's one of them. Uh, Sadness, it's another one of them. And when you know those main, you can understand the whole picture. You can understand most of the picture and to gather more information as you go. And that's why I started by saying that body language is different between cultures because you need to observe on the other person. You can decide that if someone doing something, it equals in for all the people on the planet. It's not, okay? If I will hold my hand in a certain way, 
in a certain country, it can be, wait a minute, in another country, it can be an insult, the same hand gesture. Yeah. Okay. So when we are meeting another person, we want to observe and we want to look at them like we know nothing. When I'm interacting with someone, I'm not coming to the interaction like I know body language. I'm learning the person in front of me and creating a baseline based on my experience. And I will just go with what feels right to me. Because our subconscious mind, if you like it or not, already knows body language. We already know it. Like if you hear a tone of a voice and you can tell something is wrong, that means that you understand nonverbal. If you can see someone that is sad and you can see he is sad, you don't hear or you don't feel they are sad, you can see that. How you can see that? By the facial expression, by the way they are holding the body. And that's why also anxiety, that's what we started to say. And I want to write right back to that because uh, I've been dealing with PTSD for many, many years. So I know anxiety from very close perspective. And the thing is that the difference between fear and anxiety is very important because fear is an immediate danger. If I'm crossing the road, I need to be afraid to be hit by a car if I'm not checking both sides before I'm crossing, right? That is fear. But if I would think, what if someone laughs at me? What if someone will say something about me? That's what creates fear of anxiety. That creates anxiety. And anxiety is based our, by our thoughts and not actually by what is real. If you go outside and you meet a lion, be afraid, okay? But if you are wanted to do, I don't know, maybe a video on social media and you're just so afraid to press that button because you think something about yourself, any kind of thing, you think that someone else will judge you in a way. Okay, those are anxieties. Those are not fears. And those are based on our thoughts. You just made it so clear to me and I'm sure to everyone that is listening and watching the difference between fear and anxiety. And so if I may recap to see if I got it right. So fear is an immediate danger. Like we're getting attacked by a lion or we're trying to, you know, dodge being hit by a car. But then anxiety is a non-immediate danger, but our mind almost perceives it as it being immediate, but it's just perceived maybe, it's perceived incorrectly in a sense. So I feel like anxiety is more of like a perception because of our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions from the past even, or fear of the, or our thoughts of the future. Yes, but what is very important to understand that anxiety has probably zero danger into it because only 8% from the things that we are worried about, what if someone will make fun of me, what if I will fail, what if only 8% of those things are likely to happen. So the other 92% that you are worried about all kinds of things, you're just wasting your time. So it's true. It's a, it's a waste of a time, but most of us spend 99 or 100% of our time in that waste of a time, I feel like, period. And even for, you know, my own anxiety, like I feel like it's even part of genetic, you know, a genetic line is that 
my maybe my mom worried excessively um, and then her mother worried excessively. And then, you know, my great great grandmother, because they came from 100, 200 years ago and they had maybe different fears in them. So it's actually something also that gets carried in our genetic line. Although with the beauty of epigenetics, you know, we live in a different world. So we have to learn how to navigate this different world that maybe we're predisposed to being anxious about, but it's not actually, it's just a waste of a time. (laughs) And so maybe um, as we wrap this up, this conversation up, I do want to say, you know, that you have helped me a lot being aware of how, because my conscious mind was managing more of my anxiety throughout this year and throughout a lot of these uncertainties and stresses that, you know, we normally didn't have to worry about like homeschooling or staying home for an extended period of time. But my subconscious which was, you know, my breathing patterns were still making me anxious or make me anxious. So what was the tip that you gave me to help on that diaphragm breathing? Okay. Um, I suggested you to sing, especially because when we are singing, we are creating more tension in our tummy area and we are doing more effort with our breathing, which helps us to get our diaphragm even stronger. And that helps us when we are breathing because when you are singing, you need more effort than speaking. And people who have problems with breathing, either they speak very, very, very fast and then they don't have any more air left at the end, of the phrase and they're like <gasps> at the end of the phrase right they're like trying to guess for air because they're run out of, out of it and if i will talk and i will say the same words that i'm saying right now but i will breathe this way people will know that i'm anxious or feeling uncomfortable because let me try that okay so people can hear that and realize how important it is to breathe and if you know you have problem with breathing speak slower and practice it with singing you don't have to become a singer but by singing you just can develop the way that you are speaking even better mm. and if i will try to speak very 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 fast and anxiously then you can see that when I'm breathing I I don't even sometimes finish the phrase before I'm trying so that sounds anxious that sounds like I'm in a rush right Mm -hmm. and when we are slowing down think about movies for example when you see someone like the villain is walking and everything around him like explodes and people are screaming and running and there's chaos. But the villain is walking slowly. And even though they're walking slowly, they're still be able to hit and shoot and uh, to get everybody else killed, basically. And they're just walking slowly. And they are catching up to everyone who are running. So just by being slower, it creates power in a way. That empower us to be slower. And when we are going fast sometimes, that makes us anxious and we feel anxious, that slow down. When people tell you, calm down, then that means calm down, right? Slow down, easy. I I 100% agree that it just takes slowing down sometimes and taking a pause. And even with our mind, you know, even with all of that chatter that's going on in our minds, it's like, wait, slow down. 
and be aware, is this immediate danger, right? As in fear, or is it some perceived immediate danger, which is non-immediate and it's really just created through our own perception. So actually, actually a better tip in this case, like in any anxiety is simple, simply separate the facts from your assumptions. Because if you're thinking they might laugh at me, then fact, you can't read other people's minds unless you do, but probably not, okay? And you don't know what the future holds. Did any of us knew that we are going to be stuck months and months in, in our homes? No, right? And so we think from our perspective, we decide things about based on uh, about things that we had experienced before or that we are afraid of or that we are off in a certain environment or that people are saying something about it. But actually, it all lies. We are lying to ourselves. We can decide what other people think. We can decide that people will make fun of us. But if we will do something and we will look like we are afraid that someone will talk about us or make fun about us, it's like we're targeting ourselves. Yeah, we're robbing ourselves of our own peace and wellness and happiness. I've heard, you know, the idea that we spend, a lot of people spend so much time worrying about what other people think when really they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. (laughs) Right. And maybe they're thinking about they're worried about how other people are going to think about them. It's it's just such a funny like cycle that we get into in our own mind that robs us. I feel like. Yeah. The fear of judgment. Actually, the fear of judgment. It's. We are looking from our perspective. If I will judge you, that means that I'm telling myself what I don't like about myself, not about you. Because if I will see see someone that is wearing something weird and I will like, what is she wearing or whatever, like with that attitude and like, that is ugly. Who decided? That is my perspective. That is why I, what I know that is not how I'm dressing. But maybe in Zimbabwe, this is like top fashion. Or maybe in other place in the world, this is like cost thousands of dollars or whatever. And I can think whatever I want to think, but this is my perspective. This is look like the way that it's looking, as it looks like to me, not to any other people. The way that I see things are not the way you see things. The way I perceive, like the way I think and I see myself, it's not how you look at me and see me. And it's not how other people will see me. I agree. Fear of judgment is just really an opportunity to look inward, I feel like. Because when we fear judgment, it means that we're really just judging ourselves. I think that's really one judge you. They tell you when someone judge you, they tell you their weak point, their struggles, their opinions. So basically you can know so much more. You reveal so much more about that person than anything else. For example, if someone will tell me you are overweight or whatever, so he doesn't live in my body. Why should he care? He's not married to me. He's not my boyfriend. He's not has any access to my body in any kind of way. Why should he care what mo- how much I weigh? Because in his mind, there's some kind of belief. Maybe that 
fat people are lazy. Maybe that I'm not going to say just fat, but overweight people, you can be five pound overweight and still people can tell you you are overweight, right? So it's just about perspective. Maybe they're unhealthy. Maybe they're lazy for him. Maybe they are... um, well, I don't it's know. really intriguing that you brought up this thing called weight because I don't think my father listens to my podcast, but he has this um, idea about he's overly concerned with other people's weight. And I am not here to judge him for being that way, but I know that he is that way because of something within him that he hasn't fully healed from his past that still bothers him today. And so he's worried about thinking about everyone else's weight when really, if he just got to the root of why is it that everyone else's weight or overweight people like bother me, right? And so anything that we're pre-consumed in, which anxiety can be one of them, you know, can be a side effect of being overly concerned. It's just an area where we can put focus and awareness. And I think that you were here with me today to bring, you know, enlightenment that it's not just our words that we say, but it's how we say it, our tone, and then our body language. And this is something that I am learning along with everyone here especially my tone and my breathing. I have a question for you um, about perception and belief. What is your definition besides body language of happiness? Okay. So happiness. What does happen? Because I believe like happiness is very subjective. And so I like to hear other, and I'm obsessed with perception. And so for you, what does happiness look like, feel like? What's the experience that you would define happiness as? Okay. So for me, happiness is feel connected first. I want to feel part of something a part of certain society uh, I want to feel part of my friend's life part of my family life as well so for me it's about feeling that connection that love um, and also knowing that I'm having fun where I'm at like I'm having fun with those people I'm having fun uh, with myself, I don't need other people to be happy. That's not what I'm saying. Because happiness is from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. If you will look for outside triggers to make you happy, and you won't feel yourself from the inside, then you will remain empty in a way. Because someday you're going to stay alone. So are you going to be sad? Like if you're three hours alone at home without someone else to make you happy. No, it's about ourselves to be happy from the inside. And it's also about being grateful. And um, also knowing our triggers as well. Because if I can eliminate some of the triggers that makes me feel bad, and I can do more of the triggers that make me feel better to my brain, to my subconscious brain. I can treat, um, in air quotes, right, my brain in a way to be happier if I will continuously doing that. Well, I love of all those different layers that you went through of what happiness looks like to you because. To me, what really stood out was the idea of connectedness, right? Connectedness from the inside outward. And once we can do that, we can connect to a higher, on a deeper level, 
with others. And I think that this is really a beautiful place to kind of wrap up because you and I connected like January 1 almost of of this year um, of 2020, because this might be um, listened to in 2021. So in the sense of just how we've connected has brought so much happiness into my life. It's brought so much growth and awareness um, for my own healing journey with anxiety. So thank you so much for saying yes to this episode, this recording. And how can, I know you're writing a book, which will be out very soon, might already be out. And how can people get in touch with you to learn more about body language and how to leverage it in their life and their business and their profession? Okay, so first of all, I'm on social media. You can find me on Facebook and I have a free group on Facebook that actually helps people, helps entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, corporate, anyone who deals with a lot of people, uh, sometimes even with negotiation and with marketing, because that is crucial how we use our body language there. Think about how you look like when you're asking for money. For example, people got all kinds of limiting beliefs about money, like money doesn't grow trees and stuff like that. So we need to be very aware of that. And those are some of the things that I um, keep teaching in the group, how to face and how to deal with. Uh, I also, um, they can send me an email to Shiran, S-H-I-R-A-N, at shiranKV.com, like the same S-H-I-R-A-N-K-B.com. And um, I definitely will leave all the contacts in the show notes because everyone needs to learn more about body language. Absolutely. And they can find also my books on Amazon. So, Probably by by the time this episode will be aired, um, I will also have another book out because I just sent it to editing in the last few days. Can't wait to read your book. It's something that everyone needs to know for mind, body, spirit and work and relationships and everything in between. So thank you so much for being here with me, for guiding me and helping me and so many people um, in the past and in the future. My pleasure. Thank you for listening and investing your time with me because I believe we are all here to learn, grow and evolve effortlessly into the future. If you enjoyed what was shared today, I encourage you to subscribe, rate, review, and share because together we can do so much more. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Carrie Faith on Purpose to find out more opportunities to uncover your deepest why.